0: My goal is to teach you to connect portions of God's Word with the songs you're singing along with on the radio to help you meditate on truths that will transform your way of thinking and ultimately your life. Every once in a while, a song is so profound that it touches you from the very first time you hear it. And this week's song, Thy Will, by Hillary Scott, impacted me in this way. And the beauty of the vocals and the effect it had on me is the perfect recipe for me to use it on the podcast. Now, over the years, I've had friends who have struggled with infertility, taken the long and painful road to adoption, taken jobs and moved their family, and then find that it all falls apart. Made financial decisions they thought God was directing, but ended up being disastrous. Suffered through very public and brutal questioning of their character and their faith online and through social media. That's the worst. Married the person they thought God was leading them to, only to be in a marriage that's falling apart or ended completely. Suffered physical ailments or worse, watched their children suffer. And, and, and. You know, the list can go on. So for all of you out there that can relate or think I'm writing about you, this one is for you. I'm so confused. Understand that my broken heart is a part of your plan When I try to pray all I got is her and these four to the video interview in the show notes, and you can always find every week's show notes at michellenezat.com forward slash 115. I realize that many of you are listening to this while you're driving or doing something else, and so it's hard for you to jot down verses and or, or websites that I might refer to, so I always put that in the show notes for you, but Hillary Scott has made a conscious decision not to share the story behind the song just yet. Now, all she says is that it was written from her own personal pain, but she wants us to hear this song through our own pain. And that is what this song alludes to, great sorrow, great pain and anguish. So really, we could go anywhere in God's word as we can read about many characters in the word of God who suffered. Just like many of you. And specifically the words, thy will be done, are found in the Lord's prayer in Matthew chapter 6 or Luke chapter 11. And then I thought also of Jesus himself. When he suffered greatly leading up to the crucifixion, in his prayer in the Garden of Gethsemane, he suffered. But he still prayed, not my will, but yours be done. And both are great places to go in scripture if you are so inclined. But this week, I'm choosing Hagar to highlight. And it's all because of what Hillary sings in The Bridge. I know you to spoil it a little bit, but the reason that I'm led to Hagar here is because she actually names God as the God who sees. And so that bridge just made me think of her right away. And Hagar's story can be found in Genesis chapter 16. She is the servant of Sarai, of Abram and Sarai, which is eventually Abraham and Sarah, the father of the Jewish nation. And you might remember the Sunday school song, you know, father Abraham had many sons and many sons had father Abraham. Well, technically he had two biological children, but all Jewish people by race are considered the children of Abraham. And all followers of Christ can be considered children of Abraham. In fact, Paul says it like this in Galatians 3, 7. He says, the real children of Abraham then are those who put their faith in God. But I digress. This is uh, the early days for Abraham and Sarah even before God changed their names. And at this point in history, God has made a covenant with Abram. Now, Abram was worried because he did not have any heirs. And so basically the son of a servant was going to be his heir. And he was sharing his sadness about this and his frustration with God one day. And this this is what God said to him. And he brought him outside and said, look toward heaven. So he being God, God brought Abram outside and said, look toward heaven and number the stars. If you are able to number them, then he said to him, so shall your offspring be. And then it says this about Abraham and he believed the Lord and he counted it to him as righteousness. So this is in Genesis 15 verses five and six. This then was followed by a covenant service between Abram and God. It was pretty amazing. I encourage you to read it yourself. But the thing about this promise from God is that he followed the same pattern that he often does today when he gives us promises. The promise was grand. The promise was great. It was hopeful. But there was no timeline or explanation of how it was going to be fulfilled. Abram and Sarai did not have the how or the when. How many times have you heard from God directly and believed him, but then gotten discouraged when you didn't have the how or the when? So enter Hagar. Uh, Again, she is Sarai's servant. Her name means stranger, and she is an Egyptian girl. So I'm thinking Hagar is a pretty good servant because of what happens next. In Genesis 16, 2, Sarai said to Abram, Behold now, the Lord has prevented me from bearing children. Go into my servant. It may be that I shall obtain children by her. And Abram listened to the voice of Sarai. Now, I really don't know much about this custom, other than it was common to use servants as surrogates to have children. But whose idea was it? It was Sarai's idea, and Abram listened to the voice of Sarai. Wow. We could learn a lot from this if we were talking about Abram and Sarai, even though Abram's faith in God was strong. So strong, remember, that it was counted to him as righteousness. Just In the chapter before, he listened to the voice of God and he believed him. But since he didn't know how this promise was going to be fulfilled or when this promise was going to be fulfilled, he listened to the voice of Sarai. Now, it doesn't say this, but it obviously seemed like a good idea to Abram, or at least not against what God had promised. So it's probably one of those conversations like maybe this is the way God um, intends to do it. You know, and how many times do we do that? We jump the gun. We respond without asking God what we should do. And in the Old Testament, you see, you see success when people inquire of the Lord. But in this case, Abram did not inquire of the Lord. He just flat out listened to the voice of Sarai. So in between covenant and fulfillment Sarah takes things into her own hands and Abram goes along with it and again i'm assuming Abram figured perhaps this is how god would fulfill his promise to him You see a glimpse of this if you keep reading into chapter 17. God specifically promises that Sarai herself will bear Abram a son in chapter 17. And when he finally reveals the how and the when is is what's going on here. And Abram's like, wait, I already have a son. In fact, it says in verse 18 of chapter 17, Abram said to God, oh, that Ishmael might live before you. Ah, but I'm ahead of myself. Oops. Spoiler alert. Again, Hagar actually does bear Abram a son, and we will get there in a minute. Now, there is no indication of whether or not Hagar knew of this promise. You know, maybe she heard heated discussions between Abram and Sarah about God being slow to fulfill his promise. Maybe it was a very private matter that she knew nothing about. She was a servant. She was just doing her job. And in that culture, servants may be given in marriage to their male masters to bear them children. Okay, so let's keep reading in verse 3 of chapter 16. So Abram had lived 10, after Abram had lived 10 years in the land of Canaan, Sarai, Abram's wife, took Hagar the Egyptian, her servant, and gave her to Abram, her husband, as a wife. And he went into Hagar, and she conceived. And when she saw that she had conceived, she looked with contempt on her mistress. Now, the reason I said earlier that Hagar must have been a good servant. That Sarah trusted is because I don't care what the cultural norms are. You know, really? You're going to give her to your husband? You're going to let another woman get that close and share that kind of intimacy? I would have to trust her. I'm sure she didn't just pick any old servant girl, okay? So Hagar quickly moves from conception to contempt. There's a change in her circumstance, and it leads to a change in her perspective her attitude, and ultimately, her actions. Now, contempt in the original language means to treat as if small. You see, there must have been relationship before this and definitely submission to authority that Sarai held over Hagar. Again, I can't imagine any woman placing an unruly servant in the arms of her husband. So now that Hagar had something over Sarai, Sarai was diminished in her sight. And this has really made me think this week, you know, You'll see in a moment that Sarai began to treat her harshly, but only after Hagar changed her attitude toward Sarai. How many times can I so clearly point out the mistreatment of others toward me, but never take the time to discern if perhaps my attitude and actions toward them changed first? You know, maybe my actions and attitude changed before their attitude and actions changed toward me. So Genesis 16, we're going to keep reading. Sarai said to Abram, May the wrong done to me be on you. I gave my servant to your embrace, and when she saw that she had conceived, she looked on me with contempt. May the Lord judge between you and me. But Abram said to Sarai, Behold, your servant is in your power. Do to her as you please. Then Sarai harshly dealt harshly with her, and Hagar fled from her. Uh, <laughs> I just love how Sarai is Hopping mad at the consequences of her choices. Again, another discussion for another day. But Sarah began to treat Hagar harshly. Now, I listened to two messages by Beth Moore this week on Hagar. And I'm going to link to them in the show notes. They're great. But Beth teaches that not only is contempt to treat as small, but the word here for Sarah's harsh treatment is a word for oppression that actually means to make someone crouch low or bow down. So, Sarai and Hagar are both so threatened by each other that they are both trying to make each other smaller. Beware of diminishing others in your words, your attitude, or your behavior. No good can come of it. So Hagar didn't adjust her behavior or her attitude. She just ran away. Now, perhaps she felt this was the only way out. So here's this young, angry, pregnant, oppressed, Egyptian servant girl, alone and confused taking the only way out that she could see. But we will see that there actually is another option. So let's keep reading. The angel of the Lord found her by a spring of water in the wilderness, the spring on the way to Shur. And he said, Hagar, servant of Sarai, where have you come from and where are you going? She said, I'm fleeing from my mistress, Sarai. The angel of the Lord said to her, return to your mistress and submit to her. So How does God, who is everywhere and who knows everything, need to find Hagar? I mean, he can't not know where she is. Sorry about the double negative, but he just can't. He knows where everyone is at all times. He knows everything all the time. He can't not be God. And I love what Beth Moore said about this too. She said, every time in God's word it says God found someone, it means he went to extra effort to seek out that individual. Ultimately, it is so the person can find him. So everything initiates with God. If you are born again, the only reason you ever found Jesus is because he found you first. So what does God do when he finds Hagar? First of all, I love that he calls her by name. You know, this Egyptian servant girl who probably never considered the God of her mistress and master to be her God. He was their God. How did he know her? And so my friend, no matter, no matter your heartbreaking situation, he knows your name. Even if you haven't surrendered to him, even if he isn't your God yet, he still knows your name. And then he asks a question Where have you come from and where are you going? First of all, this is so like God. He's constantly asking us questions, drawing us into dialogue. I had a student union director in college that did that. His name was Jerry. Jerry drove me crazy with that. I mean, I would go to him for advice, and instead of answering my question, he would ask me a question. (laughs) So let's consider this question. Where have you come from? You know, where you come from can shed light on on who you are today. You know, if you go way back, where did I come from? You know, not necessarily just your nationality, but your background, your history, what kind of family did you have? What's your faith background? What's your uh personal family background? You know, it could be a place that you don't want to return. <laughs> kind of like Hagar, she fled because it was a bad place. She was being treated harshly and it wasn't comfortable. Or maybe where you came from is kind of like, uh, uh, there's a song that I love that says painting pictures of Egypt, forgetting what it was like. You know, when the, when the Israelites left Egypt, they complained and wanted to go back. And I think they kind of forgot how severe their bondage was while they lived there. And so a lot of times this question, where have you come from, um, again, can shed light on who you are today. Now, what about the question, where are you going? Hagar doesn't answer this part of the question, you know, but we can. What's your direction? I often think of the principle of the path, which is your direction, not your intention, leads to your ultimate destination. So if you consider the direction your feet are taking you, you play this all the way out, where will you end up? You know, does where you're going line up with God's word? Does it line up for his purposes for you? Does it line up for his revealed plans for you? I know that there's some that aren't revealed yet, but there is stuff that he has told you. Are your feet on that path? You know, does it line up with his definition of who you are, with his definition of whose you are? So these questions lead us to our Bible interaction tool exercise this week. I call these bites, B-I-T-E. Uh, Because they help us take a bite out of scripture and hopefully lead you to interact with God's word in new ways that will result in new results with God, uh, that you will try something new and get something new out of it. And so this week's bite is to journal your dialogue with God using these questions. Now, dialogue is so important. God's word says, out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. So if you want to know what's tucked into the recesses of your heart, have a gut-wrenchingly honest dialogue with yourself and with God. Now, I recommend using a journal... Or at least writing it on a, up on a piece of paper or typing it up. That Typing it will work fine for this exercise. Uh, I sometimes call this process a way to journal out my crazy. And I think men and women kind of shove things inside and just barrel on through life. And we don't even realize that perhaps we've changed or become a stranger in our own environment like Hagar did. So journal out the answers to these questions. Where have you come from? And where are you going? But make sure that it's not just a diary, but that it's a dialogue with your heavenly Father. I'm gonna try. I'm gonna be very transparent with you here. Um, here's something that mine might look like this week. Father God, I'm coming out of a very difficult season at work. I can't even believe that I made it through. <laughs> Thank you for giving me the supernatural strength and focus that I needed to accomplish great things. I had the tender-hearted support of so many people during this season, both at work and at home, and I find myself aggravated and short-tempered with some of the very friends and co-workers and family members that so patiently supported me through this difficult time. I don't like the path that my feet have inched their way on. What is causing this? Please stop me in my tracks. Bring me clarity in what my next steps in this new season should look like, Thank you for convicting me, but most importantly, how did I get here? Maybe your where am I going might be a statement. Maybe it's a prayer. Maybe it's a desperate cry. Whatever it is, make sure that there's a back and forth dialogue. Long periods of silence is okay. You know, like our song, we are looking for the will of God to be done, aren't we? Give him a chance to respond to you in this dialogue, in this prayer time. Verse nine gives Hagar's Hagar, God's will in this situation. And basically he says, "Go back and submit. Wow. You know, in these kinds of situations, when I'm dialoguing with God or my friends or myself, I don't like the go back and submit response. You know, I like the, oh, you poor thing. She shouldn't be treating you that way kind of response. So in this situation where Hagar could not see a way out, God's solution was submission. Now that's something to chew on. Keep reading. The angel of the Lord also said to her, I will surely multiply your offspring so that they can be cannot be numbered for multitude. And the angel of the Lord said to her, Behold, you are pregnant and shall bear a son. You shall call his name Ishmael because the Lord has listened to your affliction. He shall be a wild donkey of a man, his hand against everyone and everyone's hand against him. And he shall dwell over against all his kinsmen. So along with this call to submission is a promise, a promise to bless the child in her womb. He, he told her his name to name him Ishmael, which means he hears. hears. His name would be a constant reminder to Hagar that the Lord has indeed listened to her affliction. And the next part's a little confusing to me. I have to be frank with you. I'm, I'm not sure I would be comforted as a mom to know that my son will be a wild donkey of a man in constant conflict. But Hagar's response is this. So she called the name of the Lord who spoke to her. You are a God of seeing. For she said, truly here, I have seen him who looks after me. This is the only place where someone gets to name God. In all the other places, God reveals his own name. But here, Hagar calls the God, the God who sees. Just the fact that Abram Abram and Sarai's God saw her, and he listened to her affliction, and he had a plan for her, and he changed her perspective and ultimately her direction. God sees you. He hears your affliction. He looks after you. He can be your God just like he became Hagar's God that day. He was no longer some vague being that her master and mistress worshiped, but he was real. He cared about her and he cares about you. He sees you. Sometimes just understanding that can change our perspective and our direction too. So what's next? Well, read Genesis 16 and try this week's Bible Interaction Tool exercise of journaling your dialogue with God based on the questions posed to Hagar in verse 8. Then if God gives you direction from there, submit to his authority over your life. And then while you're in God's Word this week, let me know how you're doing. You can email me directly, michelle at michelleneesat.com. Hop on Twitter or Facebook and let's talk about what you're learning. Now, before I tell you what song will be featured next week, I want to shout out to Carrie from the U.S. and Oscar from Arizona. These are my newest subscribers to my website. Welcome. And the benefit of subscribing is that I will email you once a week. And in that email, you'll get a weekly verse resource to display on your smartphone, tablet, desktop, or you can even print it out. You'll get an email recap of the week's episode. And you'll get instant access to any of the extra resources that I create for my episodes from time to time. All of that is just my way to say thank you for listening. So head over to michelleneedsthat.com to subscribe today. And then don't miss an episode on my podcast by subscribing in iTunes. And while you're there, please leave me a written review and a star rating. This not only encourages me, but it helps me stay visible to new listeners. And as always, if you take the time to review my podcast, I will take the time to thank you right here on the podcast. Just like Christ Lion who says, Thank you for being so personal, working so hard at encouraging and helping others draw closer to God in practice, which we all know can be difficult to find enjoyable at times. Oh, I tell you what, it really can be difficult. And if I am encouraging to you, you certainly have been encouraging to me with your review. Thank you. that's it for this episode of more than a song next week i will use the new song breathe by johnny diaz this was a recommendation by a listener so thanks kathy my daughter emily has been asking me to use this one too if you liked this episode would you mind sharing it with others i've made it really easy with just one click you can share via facebook twitter or email just head over to michellenizat.com forward slash 115 while you're there i'd love to hear from you click on comment to join the conversation